Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Misplaced joy can be a deadly thing. But there's a joy that we see in the gospel reading today, and it's a wonderful thing. And so in Luke 15, it's all about this right joy, because it's all about repentance and faith. And it's in this Christian repentance that all of God's people rejoice on earth and with angels in heaven. You see, we rejoice in Christ, the one who has redeemed us. And so Jesus said, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, and the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. St. Luke said that. And we'll hear what Jesus said in a second. When we look at the greater context of this in Luke chapter 14, and then following our reading today with the parable of the prodigal son, and then right after that, we see the Pharisees and the scribes are upset with Jesus. They're upset not simply because he is around sinners, or really, the word that's used here in Greek is he welcomes sinners, or that he condones their sin, which Jesus never once condones sin. No, they're upset because Jesus does something so horrendous so terrible in their eyes that it's unfathomable. Jesus calls sinners to repentance, and he forgives them. And they don't like that fact that he forgives sins. The fact that people have peace in him and him alone. And so then Jesus goes into the parable that he tells next. And Jesus said, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And it's easy for us to lose sight of the forest for the sake of the trees here in this parable, or these parables in this Luke chapter 15, or really any parable for that matter. The key to understanding parables is letting Jesus interpret them for us. And there's usually something that he says, such as a summary statement or something that sticks out, which tells us what he is teaching. So here in the lost sheep... We see the focus is clearly on God's compassion, the sinner's repentance. And that's what Jesus then is telling you today, what he's teaching you, and about then how there's great joy in all of this. And so sin is serious. And never does just Jesus simply say about the sheep, the coin, or the son of the prodigal son after this reading ends, well, let that lost sheep just go on his own way. Or let that coin just remain hidden. Or... Let the sun go off and remain squandering off his wealth. Jesus doesn't do that. But you see, that's a different message, though, that we see what Jesus does and how he acts than the world would tell you. Sin must be repented of. It must be abandoned. Going off on your own, following your own way, letting the sheep wander off on its own will lead to death. The desire is for the sheep to be brought back into the fold. And so the shepherd then brings the sheep back to others where they are grazing, where the other 99 are. So Christianity is never an individualistic thing, but the whole sheepfold is gathered together. The joy then occurs when the shepherd brings back this lost sheep 
to his fellow sheep, and he calls his friends to himself to share in its joy. Guys, come on, rejoice, the sheep is back. And that's the joy shared even by the angels in heaven and God himself. We don't often hear much about angels doing something specific. We do in maybe Revelation, things like that, but here they rejoice over a sinner who repents. Sin is repented of. The shepherd shows compassion, and God's people rejoice. And so thinking about this then with sin and repentance, sometimes as a pastor, people will tell me, Pastor, nobody really cares about those things anymore. That's not relevant to our lives. But when we look at this reading, we see that it's always relevant. These things are always around us, whether we think about it or not, or want to think about it. And we see something in our time that pertains to this topic. Because when you turn on social media, when you turn on the news, or whatever the case may be, there's a lot going around right now pertaining to guilt, accountability, trying to make things right, and all of those kind of things. These very categories that we're dealing with in this reading and in the whole of scriptures. But the thing is, when God teaches us about repentance, that's different than what we see around us in the fallen world. False repentance is blasphemous. It's all a show and a means to manipulate things. And it goes so far even to make up sins, or maybe take on sins upon ourselves that one didn't commit in order that we can try to present ourselves as the truly righteous ones in the sight of the world, the ones who have virtue, You hear that word thrown around a lot, virtue signaling? Well, that's to the extreme. You'll see things like celebrities posting videos on social media saying, I'm sorry, one after another. Or people in a protest with handcuffs on and signs on cardboard hanging around their necks with words like, I'm guilty of white privilege or whatever the case may be. Or marching in a line or reading in the Cedar Rapids newspaper about how white churches need to change because they don't care enough about social issues the real things that we should be concerned about. But there's a reason why a lot of what's going on in our country now is to be taken note of and marked for what it is and how we look at the scriptures and we see the lens by which we are to view things. Because behind much of what is going on is really, it's nothing new, but it's new in a sense that a new religion is forming one that has no real place for who God really is, one that has no place for what he has done in Christ. There was a recent article that I saw this morning on Facebook. Yes, I was going through Facebook in the study this morning. Surprise, surprise. But there was a religion uh, website that said as much that how we see things as there was the movement that we see so much on the news now, some of the founders were saying that indeed it is a spiritual movement. They see it as such. So man will always have a religion in this world. There's no avoiding it. Every single person will have a religion. Even atheists will worship things. They have their altars. They have their doctrine. They have their rites and ceremonies. They'll worship things like reason, science, or whatever the case may be. But all of these other things, however, they don't offer or provide what we see in these readings appointed for today. There's no real forgiveness in the movements and religions of this world. There's no compassion. As such, there will be no end to the destruction, the hate, and the ruin. Because their goal is chaos, destruction, and retribution. Many people have often said that revolutions try to create chaos out of order. 
reformations try to create order out of chaos. And so real sin, though, needs real repentance, which is contrition and faith. So as a counterexample to this and all of this, St. Paul in that epistle reading, he had this to say. He said, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. And so there's great joy then when the Lord has compassion on us, and he has in Christ. He's taken our sin and the sin of the whole world. So we dare not mock him by inventing a false repentance or think we're justified before God by being sorry for something in society, even if real th- terrible things have been done at times. It doesn't, make, it doesn't uh, diminish the fact that terrible things have been done. But forgiveness isn't found in tearing down stone monuments. It isn't found in thinking we can somehow be ashamed for whatever the culture tells us we should be ashamed for or concerned about or think about what is good. If that's our marker for what's right or wrong, boy, we better reevaluate our thinking. Because keep in mind, this is the same culture, the same society, the same leaders, the same organizations who think it's okay to kill children in the womb, who think that people of the same sex can marry each other, who think that Christ and his word have no place in the public sphere, but need to be silent, and think that churches need to keep their doors closed in the name of public safety, but it's okay for mobs to loot and riot. Is that what we want to listen to? But God's law is what counts, not whatever is the current political climate or buzzword with A-list celebrities, because those things create discord. They cause sin. God's word, however, it's unchanging and it endures, endures forever. So for you sitting here in Keystone, Iowa, in the middle of farm country, where not much happens, what does that mean for you? Well, God calls you to examine your lives according to his law. He calls you to see what he commands of you. And like everyone, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, God calls you to repent, to look at the Ten Commandments and confess your sin, to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, to cry out to the Lord to have mercy. And you see your sin as God reveals it, and you have terror over it because you know you deserve condemnation and hell. You know these are the things that you rightly deserve. And when you look around you and you see utter chaos, that's what we should expect when we, when we fully understand sin. That's what sin does. So don't delight in your sin. Don't make up new sins that you can then create new ways to try to justify yourself by a new system of good works. Don't find peace and comfort in just posting social media posts that support a cause, whatever it may be, and think those are the sacraments because those don't give you anything that God can give you. Because what God gives is real forgiveness. He gives real peace. He gives real change. Don't be that sheep who goes wandering off on your own, following your own sinful hearts. Hear the voice of the good shepherd. Listen, because he calls out after you. He's the one who laid aside his glory to come and rescue you. So go back to his loving arms.
because find in him the embrace of a compassionate father towards you, who is full and perfect, a compassion that knows no limits, a compassion that is even beyond so unknowable and unbelievable that we can only know it by faith in his word as it reveals it to us. And so Jesus says in that second parable, oh, what, or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and, and neighbors saying, rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What a beautiful image. The joy that God has in you being found and your redemption. We always laugh, the pastors and I, when we translate these verses because the, it's a specific, she, this woman calls to her all, of her all of her girlfriends, right? She calls to her, rejoice with me. Right? I found the, the lost coin. Right? She calls up, if she had the phone, calls up all of her friends. Hey, Bernice, we all found it. We found it. It's back. That's the joy that God has. That's the joy that God's people share together over the one who was lost and is found. And that was just a little coin that we often find in our socks, find in our couches, whatever the case may be. I think about those words the prophet Micah we heard a few minutes ago. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. And so this is who your God is. The God who has sought you. The God that Micah said, who just even for the sake of his remnant, no matter how small that may be, has sought them out, has carried you on his shoulders. This is for you, for your children, for your grandchildren, for all people from all tribes, nations, languages, races, people, whatever. God's compassion lays down his life on your behalf so that you are forgiven and you have eternal life. And this is the joy of God the joy of God over you, which delights in you being brought back into his fold, delights in you being found, delights in you being a part of his people. And this is our joy of the Christian church. As we join together with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, laud and magnifying the glorious name of Christ, as we say in the proper preface. We share in this joy as we receive forgiveness, life and salvation, from the Lord through his holy word and sacraments. We know that we deserve none of this. But what a wonderful and comforting word of God today to see his compassion, his gut-wrenching compassion, and his mercy towards us. He is the one who has sought us out. He is the one who cares for all. And we hear the words of St. Paul and rejoice with him, knowing that the Lord who brought about his conversion as the same Lord who has redeemed us by the blood of Christ, the one who brought us together into his eternal kingdom with all of God's saints. St. Paul wrote, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example 
to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen.